Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Well, before I had this whiteboard put up, you could see all the tools back here and incredible boards and the cutout metal and reminds us that the Word of God works in us, not to just make us feel good, but to change us. Uh, there's no change without challenge, and that's what this book does. It challenges us to be better. It challenges us to know that joy is really found in the Lord, no matter what comes our way, and that we take the Word of God and we apply it to our life. We're not just hearers, but we're doers, and uh, it's an incredible book. Actually, uh, what book do you think you should open your Bible to? Just take a guess. Wow! You're amazing. So let's open the, the book of James. That's where we're going to start. We're going to meet this incredible guy named James, verse 1 of chapter 1. He's a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how many know that James is the half-brother of Jesus? Well, there you go. Now you know. Could you imagine being James? And Mary says to you, um, <clears throat> couldn't you be more like your brother? Uh, if you ever grew up with a sibling, you understand what I mean. It's like, can't you be, um, I had an older sister and an older brother, and they were straight-A students, and, and I was not. And uh, I remember in the fourth grade getting in trouble. Mrs. Haynes, I remember it like yesterday. And she said these words to me, how come you're not more like your sister? How come you're not more like your brother? And my third grade teacher actually asked me, are you related? <laughs> and I didn't know what the word meant. <laughs> I said, what does that mean? And she goes, that means, are you re related to Philip and Sabina? And I, I said, yeah, that's my, my brother and sister, but I don't know what related means, but that's my brother and sister. And she said, again, I was a marked man in the third grade, how, how, how come you're more, not more like, like them? Uh, I doubt that James, if you're a brother and a sister of anybody, I, I, I doubt that, that James really thought Jesus was God until after he dies and rises again from the dead and proves it, something happened in him. He doesn't say, James, a brother of Jesus. He said, I'm his servant. I love that. To the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. This book was written to people that were in trial. You see, the nations of Israel believed that the kingdom of God would come when all the tribes were brought together. That's very prophetic in the Bible. And so they believed that if they were in God's favor, that he would draw everybody together. But now they're scattered, so they're going through trials. And I kind of want to start um, this message with the time that I have um, with this question. How do you get through a situation, a circumstance, a problem that for you feels ungetthroughable. throughable Now, that's not a word. I made it up. But does anybody relate to that word, ungetthroughable? throughable You've had something go down in your life. You've, you've got a rift with someone in your family. There's something at work. There's something in the neighborhood. There, there's something going on. There's a financial need. There's a loss of someone dear to you. There's a, a brokenhearted feeling. There's a diagnosis that's left you feeling like life is, is going to be so difficult 
And how do you get through a circumstance or problem that seems unget-throughable? Now, James gets it, and so does his hearers of what the Holy Spirit gave him to write down. There would be a messenger, a runner, so to speak, and, and they, would, they, would, they would take the letter that James penned, and they would run into the room and say, okay, everybody, it was more like a house church. They're probably sharing a meal together like they did in the book of Acts, and somebody would stand up and start reading uh, verse 2 and 3. Let's go to verse 2 and 3 of James 1, and let's read it like they probably would have done. Consider it pure joy. Let's read. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith, yeah, produces perseverance. When your faith is tested, come on, let's be honest. Who cares about perseverance? We just care about the trial that we're in. And it can become the biggest thing in our life. We can focus all our energy on the trial. We can talk about the trial. We can gossip about the trial. We can Facebook about the trial. We can text and tweet and Instagram and Snapchat and you just name. We can Pinterest little sayings about the trial. We can put up a flag in front of our house. Woe is me. Come on. We have all live there. He says, consider it. And I don't even know how you could say this. Consider it pure joy, the greatest kind. Now, the word consider literally means to stop and pause and then to process. Listen, listen, if you don't hear me say anything else, get this. There are so many people in our world and even in our local community that the minute some, they're, they're like a rocket ship. They haven't even thought it through yet. They haven't even stopped to pray about it. The minute something goes down, they're, they're just, they're just, they got the megaphone out, so to speak, and they're out there. Yeah, it's God. You wouldn't understand, would you? Or they're writing something online, or they're reactionary. He says, don't you dare react to trials. You respond to trials. Don't react, respond. If you react, somebody's going to get hurt, and it might be you. But you respond. Consider it what? Stop long enough to go, oh, this is joyful. <laughs> now, who on earth would say this is pure, unadulterated joy? I'm going through something that's unget throughable. Who would do that? No, no, no. It's the outcome. Notice the end of that, that, that verse. It's because the testing of your faith is producing something. So, Lord, I consider it joy, not that I'm in a hard place. I consider it joy because something good's going to come out of this. You want to know what the good is? Let me cut to the chase. You want, me, you want to know what the good is? God's going to change you. Isn't that great? Now, if you don't want to change, don't read the book of James. Because James is going to give us the kind of faith and understanding that no one is exempt from trials. And when trials come, don't just rush to how you feel about it. Go to how you interpret the trial. So back in the late 50s, a, uh, a cognitive psychologist by the name of Albert Ellis came up with the ABC model of what you do when you respond to challenges and, and adversity. And um, please forgive my lousy handwriting and artwork. 
We should have Angie or Melissa up here because they know how to do this stuff. So the, the, the first thing is, the first thing is um, we, we, have, we have an event, okay? And this event is going to be, we're just going to put it, a trial right here, okay? This happens. And then what happens is, <laughs> what do we believe about it, okay? And if we're not careful, we could, we could not believe, we could actually start to, and this is where we get in trouble, we could start to feel. Feelings, nothing more. Oh, forget it. And then feeling, yeah. And then eventually what, what happens over here is the outcome, the outcome of what we believe and how we feel about the event or the trial, and it becomes our consequence. And consequence is not a bad word. Some of you go, oh, there's consequences of that. Sure, there's consequences if, here's what, 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 what he's saying, James. Count it pure joy whenever you go through a hardship or a, a trial. Take time to consider it and breathe long enough to, to, to feel what your emotions, no, no, to somehow believe, to somehow take all of the scripture that you know, all the God that you know, all of the life of Jesus that you know, and you believe, and it becomes your outcome, which is your, your, your consequence. Let me kind of unpack it this way. He says that there is an activating event that then moves to our belief, that moves to our consequence. And by the way, Whatever you do when bad stuff happens, when stuff hits the fan, when trials come, that will more than likely be repeated over and over again. That's why nobody in this room and no one watching online and no one in our cafe, but that's why you see people repeating the same cycle of behavior all the time. Because when stuff happens to them, they interpret it with their feelings, or they interpret it with the modern concept of how to deal with trials, or they listen to the crowd rather than saying, Lord, I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm not going to be ruled by my feelings. I'm not going to let this trial do anything more than allow me to move through joy because of this one issue, that God is with me. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. So in your notes, just write this down. Consider there may be a different way to understand trials. Let faith work. Consider there's a different way to, to, to understand trials. Now, let me give you this word trial because you're going to like this. The Greek word is pierosmos, pierosmos. Where we get the word pieratis from where we get the word pirate. Hmm, we got a picture here somewhere. There it is. So what James is saying is, you're sailing along in your life. Yo-ho, yo. Right? And you're cruising down smooth water. And all of a sudden, a boat pulls up next to you. It's a Somali takeover, <clears throat> if you saw the movie. And, and the pirates are boarding your ship. You didn't ask for the pirates to board your ship. You didn't ask for the trial to come. You didn't ask for your, your parents to go sideways on you. You didn't ask for your kids to misbehave. You, you, you didn't ask for a downturn in your personal economy. All of a sudden, something goes south. 
and the pirates are boarding your ship. I just thought it was amazing. I go, wow, that's the word? And the pirates come to do, to do one thing, to reveal who you are. To reveal who you are. The challenges we face in life don't just test us, they reveal us. They show us who we are. Now, maybe part of the challenge you're facing is, is, is not just about the problem in front of you. It's not just about the, 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 the trial. It's about God wanting to have an outcome or a positive, positive consequence that you become the best version of yourself, that you become more like who Christ intended for you to be. And that's why number two is trials make you stronger. If you get stuck here in a trial, if you get stuck in popular opinion, if you get stuck in having a pity party and have all your friends over, do you feel sorry for me? I feel sorry for me. Come on, feel sorry for me. Let's everybody feel sorry for me. Uh, eventually, you're not going to have any friends left because nobody wants to hear your stuff over and over. But to look in the eyes of your friends and say, you know, I'm going through something right now, but I know that even though God may not have orchestrated this, I know that God's going to help me orchestrate the outcome. Does this make sense? And the consequence, I will be better for this. Trials make you stronger. That's why in James 1.3, he gives us the why. Consider it pure joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces, come on, Per, 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 perseverance. So the other day, Debbie and I, my wife, we're, we're driving in her car and um, we hear this noise. Bump, 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 bump. And it wasn't the bass. It was something in the tire. So I get out and uh, I look at it and there is a bolt in the tire. It's a long bolt and it's not this way, it's sideways. So we went to a local tire shop, and it was Saturday, midday, and I said, hey, would there be any, do you have an appointment? I said, no, could you just look at it? So after about 45 minutes, somebody came out, looked at it, and said, um, uh, can you be here Monday morning at 7.30? I said, yeah, it's my day off, I'll, I'll be there. I got there at 7, I wanted to be first in line. And the guys were so great, they, they, they took it in, and they they looked at it and um, pulled it off the wheel, and they said, uh, we're going to get another opinion. Three guys came out. I thought it was going under surgery or something. They had three opinions. <laughs> and uh, for sure, it was on the borderline of the safety where they're allowed to repair the tire or not repair the tire. The tire was not that old, and I contemplated in my head buying a new tire, which I wasn't very happy about. And then uh, they said, well, sir, we don't have the tire, but if you come back tomorrow, it will be here. Leave the wheel. We'll put it on the wheel, and you just drive in. We'll put it on, and everybody will be, you pay the money, and everybody will be happy. And I, you know. So um, went back um, the next day, and uh, uh, we got the wrong tire in. Anybody ever had, come on. You fill in the story, right? And I have to tell you, I started getting a little... A little angry. See, the, the, the tire, and by the way, um, the guy was really great. He said, you know, um, you've got kids and grandkids, and I wouldn't fix that tire and put my loved ones in there. And 
<laughs> sure, man, you know, give me a tire. And so we were, we were fine. They got the wrong tire. And then, and then they called and said, hey, 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 uh, uh, Pastor Bernie, actually, I know the guy who called and, and uh, just have your wife come down. We'll, we'll slap it right on. Well, she gets there and guess what they ask her? Do you have an appointment? <laughs> well, yeah, my husband called me because um, he was in a, a meeting and, and um, he called me and they said he, I could come right down and do you have an appointment? No. So um, <clears throat> three... <clears throat> <clears throat> three <clears throat> hours, <clears throat> three hours later, um, she got the tire put on. <laughs> now, we can all go, ah, and, and, and if that's the worst thing ever happens in our lives, wouldn't that be great? Yeah, it won't be, I <laughs> promise you. But you know what happened in this silly tire story, and I'm so sorry it took so long to tell it to you? It, it revealed my, my moment of impatience. It revealed a little anger in me. I go, oh, what's this? Where, where's this anger coming from? I think the anger was coming from the tire. I don't think so. I think the anger was coming inside my soul, and maybe it was a buildup of other stuff or other people that said, do you have an appointment? <laughs> you know? I mean, Oswald Chambers said, faith must be tested because it can only become your intimate possession through conflict. Faith must be tested. I, I love what... Um, New York Times columnist and author David Brooks says, he said, when most people think about the future, they dream up ways they might live happier lives. But notice this phenomenon. When people remember the crucial events that formed them, they don't usually talk about happiness. It's usually the ordeals that seem most significant. Most people shoot for happiness, but feel formed through suffering. And if we could interview each one of you on this platform today and asked you about times when your character was developed or asked about times when your perseverance was developed, you would say, I remember the third grade. I remember middle school. I remember that jerk I used to date. I, well, sorry. I, I remember, come on. I remember that, 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 that time I got bypassed for a promotion. I remember when I didn't get accepted in that school. I remember when I didn't think there was any hope in the world. I remember when I lost my loved one. I remember, and those moments, though God did not cause them, God was shaping you through them to be more significant than ever before. Because number three, trials help you grow closer to Jesus. If for no other reason, consider it a good thing when you go through struggles because it can draw you to Jesus. There's a story in the Bible, and many of you know it. There's a, a, a man that was born blind, and the question is asked, the why question. Why is this man going through what he's going through? And they ask Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? In other words, where do we hang the blame for his blindness? Who can we blame Who's at fault? Let's, let's talk here about the trial some more, Jesus. He's blind. He can't see the beauty of color and the splendor of creation and the glory of all that you've made. He can't see it. And Jesus replied, neither this man nor his parents have sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Sometimes God allows us to go through difficult times so the work of himself may be seen in us. So there's a level of trust in our lives. Sometimes there isn't a good answer in your notes to our questions about trials and difficulty, but something is always true. The work of God is always what? Let's just say it. The work of God is always present. 
It's always present. And I'm just like you. We could get caught up right here in, in trials and feelings and trials and feelings. But rather, we should move to what we believe. God, I believe that you're with me. You've not left me nor forsaken me. I, I believe, God, that there's going to be a good outcome. I would even like to believe, Lord, that people will come to know you through this situation and circumstance. Listen, small people get stuck here, right here. Small people. Insecure people get stuck here. Does anybody know I exist? Feel my pain? Come on, come on, come on. Somebody commiserate with me. I got a bolt in my tire. The guys at the shop, by the way, were great. You know how many flat tires they've seen? They were not very compassionate about my horrible plight in trial. They said, well, there's coffee and free water over there. That's it. That's, that's the, the love I got. I felt it. See, faith, faith works. And when faith works, your pain is not where God is absent. Your pain is where he's the most present. That's why James says you can consider it joy when the pirates climb on your boat. Psalm 46.1 one of my top three favorite verses. Would you, would you read it with me, please? God is our shelter and strength, always, always ready to help in times of trouble. He doesn't run from us. When the going gets tough, you know what happens. All your friends get going away from you. Come on. Huh? It's lonely in the trial. It's lonely in the trial, but the Lord is there with us. And number four, I just have to say this to you. Trials don't have to have the last word. James says they don't get the last word. James says God is producing something in you. And I would venture a guess. I would venture a guess. The last time you went through a tough season, God was whispering to you, you're going to change? You're going to let, let my character be revealed in you? You're going to let go of that anger and bitterness? You gotta, come on. You're going to let go of that hatred? You're going to let go of revenge. Vengeance belongs to God, not you. You're going to let, you're going to let faith work in you. Hmm. Romans 4.25, Paul the apostle says, this Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Think about this. People that got stuck at the cross Oh, did you hear what happened? Yeah, Jesus got arrested. <gasps> Where? The Garden of Gethsemane. He did? Yeah, he got arrested. You have no future. Everything he said is a lie. You believe it? I believe it, yeah. Let's gather together by the fire, and we'll all talk about how bad our lives are going to be now because Jesus is gone. He's not here anymore. He's dead. His blood came out of him. All his blood, it spilled on the ground. It was horrible. It was gruesome. He's dead. This is the end of our existence. Let's all go underground and eat worms for the rest of our lives because life is really terrible. If they got stuck at the cross and missed the resurrection, the outcome of the cross, the consequences of the cross, we're saved because of the cross. And you could be stuck there forever and go, he died on a cross. Isn't that horrible? Yes, it's horrible. And that's it. Could you, could you remember just 
preaching Christ and Him crucified? The Apostle Paul says we do that. But he also implies that we preach Him resurrected from the dead. Man! Some of, some of our 1045 people <laughs> are living in the stuckness of the trial. Or could I say the cross? And they're missing the fact of the resurrection. Listen, if you get a microscope out and you look in that thing and you just examine your trial all the time, that's why we call people myopic. You just look in that, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that trial. You can spend all your life looking at the trial and feeling the trial and believing all your life is about the trial instead of the outcome. Oh, Jesus dies on a cross. Yeah. And because of that, our, come on, raise the life for our justification. That's why James says, consider it pure joy, verse 2. My brothers and sisters, people of Lompoc, whenever you face trials of many kinds, the, the word literally uh, is where we get polka dot from. Different colors, different hues, different shapes and sizes. Your trial may not be mine. Yours may be pink, mine may be green. Yours may be blue. Someone else may be just dark. But because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance what? Finish its work so that you may be mature and not lacking anything. Oh, he must be talking about money. Square footage and horsepower, he's not. He's talking about your soul, that inside your soul, you won't lack anything. So that when trials come to you, you won't be lacking anything. That the next time it happens, you say, Lord, thank you for the trial. I consider it all joy because I know what the consequence will be. I know what the outcome will be. Anybody would be foolish to look at the trial and rejoice just in the trial. But he's saying, let it work in you. Finish it work. Faith works so that you may be mature and complete. Listen, I don't know of anybody that's mature and complete. But, but he's talking about moving towards maturity and completeness and not lacking anything when it comes to faith. Dallas Willard said, the main thing God gets out of your life is not the achievements you accomplish, it's the person you become. Every time around LFC where, where I see babies, I always think of, of this picture. Yeah, I always think of this picture. Forget the, the hiney. How does that, how, how does that, that baby sleep in that position. And here's what I tell parents when they've got little ones around the church. I go, you, you, you know what that reminds me of? How you're supposed to be in the arms of God. This is Father's Day, so that's a guy holding his son. I just like that. So Lord, I'm, I'm going through a trial and, and here's what people say. You, you've heard me use this analogy. You got this. You got nothing. He's got you. He's got you. You got this. 
No, he's got you. In the middle of the trial, our belief is, Lord, you have me. You won't leave me nor forsake me. You're my very present help in time of trouble, in times of, of difficulty. And, and where do we see this best expressed? Well, I want to end with this last verse. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And it says, let us run with... Wait a minute. Didn't James just tell us that trials produce perseverance? You, you want to be a runner for God in the things of God? You want to raise your family in the ways of the Lord? You want your life to count and matter? Then you run with perseverance the race. The word race in the Greek is the word agon, A-G-O-N, from whence we get the word agony. Good morning. The writer of Hebrews is saying, you got a race to run, and um, excuse me, it's not really a race. It's an uphill agony. Welcome to life. Life is about trial. Life is about times of agon, agony. And you run the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes. Notice, not fixing our eyes on what we feel or the trial, but fixing our eyes on what we believe. We believe in Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, Son of God, pure, right, light, truth, hope, health, peace, all the words that describe him, we, we believe in him in such a way that we fix our eyes on him. He's the pioneer and the perfecter of, of faith. It's almost like James and the writer of Hebrews were talking to each other. For the joy set before him. Consider it pure joy when you go through all kinds of trials, polka-dotted colors, and the agony that you run. He endured the Come on, the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus was on the cross, and you go, how could he ever go through the agon of the cross? Because it was joy in front of him. He didn't just focus on the trial or what he felt in that moment. He focused on what he believed. God gave him a mission, and he carried it out, and he focused on it, and the outcome was our salvation, and the consequence, the positive consequence was he got to go back to heaven when he was done because he completed his mission impossible. He got it done. He got it done. And because of that, we get to be saved. Now watch this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. While he's on the cross, the joy set before him, he's going back to God, but the joy set before him is you. He's thinking about, down the quarters of time, all of the people that will come to be forgiven because of this act of trial, because of this act of the cross, that we get to be forgiven, that we get to have eternal life, that we get to live with the Lord when we're done on this planet forever and ever and ever, which is a really long time, last time I checked. How did Jesus get through his trial? The joy set before him. How will you? The joy set before you. Jesus looked ahead. We, 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 we need to look ahead when we go through trials and say, Lord, this isn't all there is, but you're going to produce something in me that's going to be significant and it's going to make a difference. And that's how faith works in trials. Let us pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.